Hello, everybody. Here I'm there to talk about Anchor. It's one of the best podcast uh, platforms that you can you can uh, go on. You can put all your podcasts on Apple, Google, any place. Any place to put up your podcast, you could all do it in one place. Anchor has all the tools to allow you to record and edit your podcast right from the phone or computer. And you can distribute any of your, your podcasts on any platform like Apple, Spotify, Anchor, you know, Anchor, Stitcher, iHeart, everything. It's everything you need you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. And let me tell you, I have had great experience with Anchor. Download the Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started today. That is Anchor FM to get started today. This is Between the Whistles Detroit, your hometown team. This is an interview with Dan Miller. This interview is presented by Wild Bills Tobacco. Go to their many locations across this great state and get the finest tobacco that you can get. That's Wild Bills Tobacco. You can know, you know where to find them and get them. And this is an interview with Dan Miller. I have a special guest on today on the Between the Whistles podcast, Detroit Lions Talk on the Detroit Lions News. And the play-by-play voice of your Detroit Lions, Dan Miller, one of the best in the business. How you doing, Dan? I appreciate that. I'm doing well, thanks. How you doing? Pretty good. Uh, first question I have to ask is, uh, where would you go at two tomorrow? Well, obviously, it depends on where they go at one. I mean, there's so much that depends on what Jacksonville does, and we think at this point that – all the signs are pointing to them taking Walker. If that happens, then I think, you know, the Lions are still looking at a group of defensive ends there. Probably I would think Hutchinson by a slim margin would be the guy over Thibodeau. And I would put long shot puncher's chance in there for Jermaine Johnson. Uh, but I still think just reading the tea leaves that it is one of those defensive ends, but it, it's hard to get a grip on exactly which guy it is until you see what Jacksonville does at number one. And it's not going to shock me at all if we find out that the Vegas odds are wrong and they take Aiden Hutchinson number one. I think anything's possible there with that first pick from uh, one of the defensive ends, pick one, to one of the offensive linemen. Yeah. I, I heard Lomas on 97-1. He was talking about uh, how uh, he, he would pick Malik Willis at two. Do you, what do you think about that? Yeah, I'm not – I'm probably not in the market for a quarterback at two. If they think that that they believe that one of these guys is a franchise quarterback, if look, if you believe as a coaching staff and as a general manager and your scouting staff that you have a franchise quarterback sitting there at number two, go for it. I mean, ultimately, it is the most important position that you have to fill on any team. And if you think you have one of those guys out there, uh, you really can't pass them up. So I, I would say that I don't, my limited view, I don't necessarily see them that way, Yeah. but there's a whole lot that can happen when a guy comes into the league and starts getting coached and, and you see what they can do in the NFL. So uh, I'm not somebody who wants to tell you I'm a scout. So there's a lot of things they're going to see that I'm not. And I'll just say what I said. If, if they believe he's a franchise guy, then draft Malik Willis at number two. I, my plan at this point would be build the best team I can around Jared Goff, give him this year, 
and see what happens. I mean, Jared Goff has won playoff games. Jared Goff has been to a Super Bowl. Jared Goff has played at a high level. And I think the worst thing you can do is force it. Uh, best thing you can do is probably let this thing play out organically, see where it goes. And you got a lot of assets next year where you could come back and get a quarterback. But beauty is in the eyes of the beholder. <laughs> and they've got to figure out how they, they assess Malik Willis or Pickett or, or Corral or, or any of these guys that they might be looking at. Yeah, it's, it's crazy because, you know, like usually when you're in the top two of the draft, you usually get a guy like Chase Young or Nick Bosa. This year seems a little bit different where there's no quarterback. There's no generational pass rusher. So Brad Holmes really got his work cut out from in that standpoint. Yeah, I think there's look, I think these guys all have the potential to be really good players. I just don't know that they project to the level of some of the guys that you just named. But that doesn't mean they don't ultimately get there. I mean, we always project what somebody will be. Sometimes we go too low. Sometimes we go too high. And these guys will all write their own stories when they get to the NFL and, and you know, start to be coached at an NFL level and, and perform at an NFL level. And I wouldn't put limitations on any of them. I mean, you know, you hear people talk about ceilings and you hear people talk about floors. So it could go either way with these guys. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, I, I think it's a fluid conversation. I, I, I'm not going to be shocked if you take these four top defensive ends that are sitting there and in three years, we say Jermaine Johnson's the best one. I mean, put his tape on. Yeah. Uh, again, just watch him play. He's a, he's a really talented football player um, that seems to be, and I'll just say that way, fourth on a lot of these boards, but we'll wait and see where it is in a couple of years here. But, you know, your point's well taken. There's nobody that screams franchise player in this draft right now, but it doesn't mean somebody won't be one going down the line. Yeah, personally, I like Jermaine Johnson more than I like Trayvon Walker with the way that he, uh, you know, he, he played on a bad team, but Trayvon Walker played with one of the best defensive tackles I've seen in a long time. Yeah, I mean, look, and, and you have to take that into account when you start to assess what these guys were able to do in terms of numbers and production and, you know, what was what was around them. I mean, Johnson's a guy that bet on himself, went to Florida State, had a heck of a year and put himself in a position to be, you know, a top 10 pick, a top 15 pick at this point. Who knows? I mean, it, it could go higher. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I, I really believe it's a, it's a tough year with these four guys grouped at the top because I think there's a lot to like about each of them and maybe things to be concerned about yeah. with each of them that, that you've got to parse out in your mind to decide which guy's your guy. Now, Cindy's in the room now, so I'm going to let her talk. She has a question now. Sure. Hi, Dan. How are you today? I am good. How are you? I am so excited to be on with you today. I am a huge fan. You are one of my absolute favorites. No question about it. And I'm not just saying that because you're talking to us today. You're very kind. I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, thank you. You know, uh, one of the things we talk about a lot here on Between the Whistles on the Cindy and Joe show is um, we talk about culture and the importance of culture in any winning organization. And you can see the progress that this team has had late in the year. What can you say about the culture that Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes are building here? Well, I think it it starts with their relationship with the players and and the way that it seems these players respect, you know, Dan is is more out front on a day-to-day basis than than Brad Holmes uh, because he's the head coach, he's on the sidelines, he's on the practice field and all those things and dealing with the players every single day. So I, 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 attribute a little bit more of it to him, but certainly it goes through Brad and he's setting the tone for it. 
Um, but I think it's there, there is a feeling out there of the way that guys respond to a coach, the way they play for the coach, the effort that they show, even through the tough times last year, the respect yeah. that he gives back to them. It just felt different than it had in the past. And, and look, that's all great. And it is important. And it's a good question. But the bottom line is, you know, we can talk about that all we want. You got to win. But maybe yep. winning is a byproduct of of the culture that you're talking about, or maybe culture is a byproduct of winning, whatever it is, you really need both to have something that's sustained in this league. Mm-hmm. Yep. So when you watched, when you watched the lions last year, like late going into late, late, later part of the year, what was the positional group that you're most interested to watch in this coming season? Um, I, well, I, for different reasons, I think you could look at the corners and say, okay, you got a couple guys coming off injuries there that are a big part of, of what they want to do from Okuda uh, to Parker to Jacobs, guys like that, that I think can be a part of this thing going forward, but they've also got to get back out there and get healthy. And um, we're still, you know, hoping that Jeff Okuda can be a big contributor to this football team. And I still think he can, I think it's, it's foolish to, to give up on him. I think it's um, it's big injuries trying to come back from, but there's a lot of reasons that he was so highly regarded when he came out. And hopefully those reasons are all still there and those abilities are all still there. So I think that's one that I would look at. I think the other one um, would, would be the defensive ends that they have there right now. Romeo Quara coming back off an injury. Julian Quara, who I think has a really good chance to be an ascending player. Charles Harris, who had such a terrific season last year. Can he come back and build on that? Whomever they add to that room. And I would also throw in... I mean, I'm going to run through every position on the team, but I would say the offensive line has a chance to really be a difference maker. And then the wide receivers, uh, you know, Amon Rob was such a terrific season. I think Reynolds being here for a full year is going to be significant. Uh, bringing in Chark on a one-year deal and then getting a healthy Quintez Cephas, just seeing what these guys can do. I, look, I, I said it before. I think this offense is, is ready to roll. I think this offense is in, in really good shape to hit the ground running, you know, given health and, and some of the things that you can't control defense to me is where the questions are, but offensively with that line, that tight end, those receivers, that running back room and that quarterback, man, I, I don't see what's going to hold them back right now. And I think they, they have the ability to go out there and play at a high level from the start next year. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's what I want. That's what Cindy wanted to ask you is uh, the next question is, you know, a lot of people thought this this season was uh, off season was underwhelming. Can you talk those people off the ledge? Well, I, I think when you see big names and high price players going to other teams, I do believe, you know, there, there's a little bit of FOMO there. Uh, so I, I think that's certainly understandable that people would feel that way. Um, I think clearly they're trying to build a base from within with players that they know about. And I don't think they're done. I think you will see more guys that are added to this roster. Um, And I think, you know, there's every chance in the world, they may be a little more active in free agency next year coming off this season when they have more of an understanding of what they've got. But, you know, again, I, I think they're in pretty good shape. I don't think they wanted to go out and spend, in the early part of free agency on some of these guys with some of the contracts that they got and some of the unknown quantities with some of these players. Now, look, if, if you decide a Debo Samuel is the final part of your 
you know, offense that you're willing to pay him 22 to $25 million a year, then that's a decision that you have to make. And one I'm sure they've discussed in, in probably even talked to San Francisco about what they're thinking. I think you always make that call to see what's going on, but I, I just think their thing is patience. They want to build this thing the right way. I don't know if I can talk anybody down because I understand the allure of, of going out and signing a high-priced guy with a big name. But I will also submit that, you know, they've tried that with this organization in the past and it hasn't worked. But I'll also throw out, remember where Brad Holmes is from and what his base is and the way Les Snead runs the Rams. When they've been in position to take a shot at it, they've gone in full board. So I, I tend to think that when Brad Holmes feels they're a little bit closer, you may see him being a little bit more active on those fronts. Yeah, like I've said for probably the last six months, especially when I talk, I'm, you know, I got one of the largest uh, Facebook pages for Detroit Lions. And I talk about, I say, like, this is a two to three year rebuild. Like, you can't just build from where they were and you can't just build to, into a contender like that quick, you know? Yeah, it, it is, but I also don't think that you put any limitations on what they can do this coming season. I think that, you know, this league is built for quick turnarounds. And, you know, again, I think depending upon how quickly that defense can come along, you can win some games next year. And the division is, you know, I would say in flux a little bit with mm -hmm. the changes we've seen in Green Bay, changes in Chicago, changes in Minnesota. I think everybody's kind of trying to, find out who they are, what they are, and what they've got. Now, certainly Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers taking the snaps. As long as he's there, he's always the favorite in the division to me. But um, I think there's some unknowns, and maybe you can take advantage of some of those unknowns. So I, I agree. It's, it's a rebuild, and theoretically that takes some time. But these things in the league, and we've seen it before, can also come together quickly and – Sometimes you don't see it coming. So I'm not putting any limits on what they're able to do this year. I think they should take a huge step forward this year from where they were last year. And I think a year in the system, understanding better what you've got, players understanding better what the coaches want. I think that's that's the possibility that, that you know, gives you probably the most optimism is just known versus the unknown. Yeah. yeah I, I, like, I, like you said about the offense, I think the offense is going to be absolutely phenomenal this year, in my opinion. Especially the run game, you know, the past games, they got wide receivers that they're probably going to add to. So, but Cindy has a question next. Sure. Well, you know, Dan, I was just listening to what you were saying, and it makes an awful lot of sense. And so it, it led me to think this question, and that is, so what would next, what would a successful season look like to you next season in your eyes? You know, it's a tough one because it, it, the first thought is that you want to put numbers on it, but I, I don't know that you can do that. I think, Cindy, there is a there's something when you look at it, you know, it's better and you know, it's moving in yeah. the right direction. And I would start there as a base and just say you need them to look more competitive. You need them to they were in games last year, but um, you know, it when you see it in terms of a step up now, look, I, I it's hard for me to say, look, if they don't win seven, eight, nine games, it's a disappointment. But it, I don't think you should be looking at three again I don't think you should be looking at five again I think you should be flirting with a minimum of being around 500 mm -hmm. and taking a step forward this year so that's that's my belief in 
based on what I saw last year, the way they finished the young talent on this team and, and yep. my belief in this coaching staff, I think that would signify a, a step forward. One, that intangible kind of way of just looking at it and knowing it when you see it. And two, yeah, it should be represented in win totals as well. That it should take a significant step up. Yeah, the, the next question I'm going to ask you, and this will be the last question, is when you look at the, this roster and you look at the players that have potential, what player are you most excited to see this coming year? Um, you know, I, I would throw as a wild card in there Okuda because I, I still think he has a chance to, to contribute to this team. He's a terrifically talented young player. The things just haven't broken well for so far in this league. Uh, I've said it before. I love this coaching staff on the defensive side of the ball. Love Aubrey Pleasance. Want to see him get his hands on Okuda and try to make the most of him that he can, and, and Aaron Glenn as well. Um, you know, I, I want to see – I could – trust me, I could name a lot of them. But, I, you know, look, I want to see Barnes. Can he take a step this year and be an every-down linebacker for this team? I want to see Tracy Walker. Can he build on what he did last year? How does he look playing next to – you know, Deshaun Elliott, if Elliott's out there as the other safety, I want to see that offense as a whole play together because I do have uh, the belief that they should be, you know, very, very good next year and very competitive next year. And I don't see a glaring hole in that offense at all. So go out there and score some points. So, you know, I would say those are probably some, some things that jump out at me in terms of groups or side of the ball or people that I'm looking at. Um, I want to see Levi Onzerike come back next year, not hampered by an injury that he had when he walked in and, and be the kind of player that I think they believed and other people believed he could be a Lee McNeil. I think, man, you saw him do some really good things last year. And if you have a disruptor in the middle of that, uh, that defensive line, that's so valuable. And I think he can be that kind of guy. There were plays he made last year where he just, you know, disengaged from a blocker and made a play with one arm. He's a really really talented young player that I think could take a big step this year. I want to see Julian O'Quara. I want to see if he can take the next step up. He's got tremendous athleticism. Can he be, you know, a kind of pass rusher that can really contribute to this team? And uh, so I think those would be some guys that I would throw out there that I'm excited about seeing. And I think it just goes back Jerry Jacobs, throw him in there as well. They just keep flowing. Jerry Jacobs is another guy that I would say, man, what a rookie season he had. Hopefully he comes back off the injury and he can continue to build on that. So, you know, I think that's the difference between this year and years past is there's a, there's a lot of young guys on this team that have shown us reason to be excited about them. But the important thing is that, you know, last year isn't the story that this year is the story, that they take a step up, that they're better, that they improve, because that's how you get better as a team ultimately. Yeah, that's what I think. I was, it was just crazy because last year they started so slow. Like you, you obviously see in every game. So, <laughs> but like they started, yeah. so slow, and then they get to like they get to parts of the year where they look really, really good, and they would lose and end up losing. And then the next game they'd go out and they'd get absolutely demolished, like like the the Philly game and the Cincinnati. Well, yeah, and I, and I think some of that was they weren't built for the fourth quarter, uh, yeah. and that's what you have to be. You have to be an offense that's built for the fourth quarter and, and ready to play. And I think they were so depleted at wide receiver last year, you know, outside of Amon Ra, that was really difficult. And I think, you know, I, I, the offensive line wasn't completely together, although I didn't think those guys played pretty well considering what they were dealing with. But um, I think they will be better built 
to close games this year than they were in the past. But again, we need to see some things on that defense that tell us that it's ready to take a step. Because if you can't stop people at critical times, it's it's really, really difficult to win. So um, point well taken. And that's a, that's a step they have to make if they want to, you know, significantly improve in the standings. Yeah, I have a really supreme confidence in Aaron Glenn as a coach. And I think that it's great that he's here for another year that he didn't get that job in New Orleans. Yeah, look, he's going to get one at some point. I truly believe that. But I think it's, you know, selfishly, I think it's great that that he's back here. Um, I think that's the one of the strengths of this organization right now is just their coaching staff and the ability to teach. And it's something that we haven't seen a lot of or enough of over the years is young players coming in and getting better. Because yep. if you're not doing that, you're not going to you're just not going to survive and you're not going to thrive. There's no way guys don't come into this league understanding how to play in this league. You've got to teach them and they've got to be willing to learn. They got to have the right character to do that. And I think that's you know something that, that Brad Holmes has put a big emphasis on. But the strength of, of this organization to me on on the football side is is that coaching staff. I just think it's it's that staff that is got the ability to really help this team take a step forward. So I have a quick question, Joe, just because Dan had, had said that. And so Dan, would you say, and I know we said it was last question, but you know, Joe knows the, to expect the unexpected from me. So um, would you say that then the Lions player development is going to possibly make or break this team's next season? It has to, I, I think it make, I think it makes or breaks teams all around the league it's it's player you know procurement and then player development it's selecting the right guys and then developing the right guys once they get there um you know for a long time we didn't have a lot of guys that got second contracts in Detroit because frankly they didn't deserve them and that's because they didn't weren't either the right guy to select or they didn't become the guy that they hoped that they would ultimately become so yeah, player development is massive. It's what makes Baltimore and Pittsburgh able to do it year after year is the ability to take players that fit the mold you're looking for, develop them into top flight players, have depth on your roster because you've got somebody ready to go and replace the guy that may leave. Um, it's, it's a huge part of what it takes to be successful in this league. So it's, it's getting the right guys. And it's developing those guys. And it sounds really easy and you can put it up on a chalkboard and it looks great, but actually doing it isn't that easy. And it's why certain franchises are able to year after year, you know, more often than not be respectable or, or in the conversation is because they do things the right way or in acquiring players and then, you know, helping those players become NFL players. I appreciate you for joining us, Dan. It was a pleasure to have you on, and hopefully we have you on in the future, too. Appreciate so it, Joe much. and Cindy. Thank you, guys. Yeah, Thank you. Life.